Shall we play a game? And now, part two of Carnival Personnel Sideshow, Arcades. And then there was um, Starcade, which mm. was the first video game game show that ran from 82 to 83, maybe one more season. I didn't see it you know, in first run. I didn't have cable until 91, but apparently it ran on TBS from like 82, 83. And G4, more recently, in like the early 2000s, before they went away, they would rerun the old Starcade episodes. But Starcade was a big kind of a, a, a video game nerds kind of dream come true where these you have two kids like teenagers late teens or early 20s compete head-to-head in their choice of five different video games and it would be you know the latest video games some of which had not been yet released to the public yet that they would just introduce on starcade um and i don't know robert you had any memories of that no show. i had a lot of memories i uh, i was fortunate enough that back in 84 um living um down in Virginia, we did have um, we did have TBS, yep. and you know I did I remember Starcade coming on, and it introduced uh, all of us just to so many games. And not only did it give you something to look forward to to the new games that you mentioned, Joe, but but also it's kind of like every kid's dream. Hey, I want to own one of these things. That was the right. grand prize right. at the end. And so you know I think the, the some of the games were selected at random. If, if I'm, I could be misspeaking here, and I think the participants got to pick one or two on their own, which may have been like their best game. Right. I think. Well, I watched an episode recently, and it was they they had five games to choose from they, they would they would spell it out at the beginning and then the two contestants would go head to head in like a trivia question yep. challenge you know, about an, a certain you know whatever arcade game and then if they won they would win the right to choose whichever game, game they would compete against with the other uh, player and then uh, each game had like their own little sets of like of benchmarks or rules or whatever uh, and basically just score as many points as and more in, 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 like a, in a one minute time right 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 you have like a 30 second or one minute timer and then uh, but they would like you know they were re- it was a really patient show like it wasn't as like quick cut as like maybe some of the more modern shows are now this is Starcade, TV's first video arcade game show, starring your favorite video games and some brand new ones being introduced to the public for the first time anywhere. And now, here's your host for Starcade, Jeff Edwards. Okay, thank you very much. Welcome to Starcade. We're backstage today. Our players are warming up for today's big match, and a special match it is. Today, one of these two is going to have an opportunity to win their own video arcade game. So, players, are you ready? All right, let's go play Starcade. And it's funny too because you you sit there and you're basically watching someone play a video game, right? And but but that was which has gone out of fashion, by the completely. way. Nobody nobody watches people play video games. <laughs> no, but, but people forget that was common back in the arcades, yeah. right? So I mean, whatever the hot game was, or especially I remember Pac-Man. I remember when Pac-Man first came out, and Ms. Pac-Man in particular. You know, whoever had that, they would line their quarters up on yeah, the edge, right. right? And that was like, and then you put your quarter on and say, "I'm like number tenth in queue," whatever, yeah. right? And you would watch and try to learn from the people that you're, you know. Know, they're playing in front of you. Hey, what to do? What not to do? But then it was like, oh, now your your turn at bat because these were the hot games, and um, it was not only fun to watch and learn, but it was kind of like, wow, demand. There's only one game here. It's not like they had ten Pac-Man. We're circling back over when we talked about the responsibility of like responsible buying and stuff like yeah. that. How much time do you get to play on these? And is it a budgeted thing? Do you like? 
okay, I'm going to limit it to X amount of time or just whenever. No, no, not not as much as I'd like is probably the, the best answer. You know, again, some days, some weeks, uh, I'll come down here and I'll get a few hours, um, you know, with them during the course of the week. Other times I won't play them for a week. It's kind of funny that these games actually function better the more that you play them and you leave them on. They actually do better. They're actually more likely, the boards and the circuits are actually more likely to have difficulties and challenges. It warms them up. It does. And, <laughs> does uh, it really? I that's, guess. That's a thing? Yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're meant to be played. And, um, you know, for me, the, the beauty of it is the simplicity by today versus today's game standards is, you know, you're, you're sacrificing a little bit, obviously, in terms of graphic quality and, and, and bells and whistles today. But most of these games are, are a joystick and a, a series of buttons. And, you know, again, you can turn the machine on, you can come down, and you can play a game. In, in five minutes you're not committing yourself to a half an hour an hour you can play you know within a half hour you can play all six or seven or eight games um, and so that to me is is great because again it's flexible I can come down here if I only have five minutes or if I have an hour well that's what people do on their on their cell phones now yeah like with right. mobile gaming yeah it's just like they love the simplicity of games like that like you know f- like uh, the game that was taken off the market for mobile games years ago flappy bird mm-hmm. where the the whole point of the game was you were this bird and you would be constantly moving to the right and all you would have to do is tap to keep the bird afloat so it would keep dropping down unless you tapped it and as you tapped it it would you know jump up and you would have to fly between two pipes pipes, pipes kind of stacked against each other uh, on top of each other with like a little uh, space in between so that the bird would fly in between the pipes and that's the whole point of the game and then that so that's a, the most simplistic would have been like a huge arcade game back in the 80s right. that became so popular that the developer of that game flappy bird got freaked out like he was like a one-man show and he was just like you know what this game is becoming too addicting people are going nuts over it and he, he literally because he felt so guilty that it became so addicting he pulled it off, off of really the, yeah yeah and he's like a 20 something year old like programmer and he, he was just like yeah uh this was not meant to be like crack i i i, <laughs> I do not want to be a crack dealer and he just pulled it off but it's interesting when you say you can come down for five minutes the latest version of resident evil which is fantastic it takes 15 minutes to get into the game. Yeah. Like like the open right. and, and there's no cutting past like the the, quick, no skip, the, sequence, the, the yeah. skip sequence for the beginning of the game. There's some other places where you can but you can't fast through it through any of the scenes and a little bit of it is learning to use this game's controller somewhat but truly the game doesn't start until you've sat there for 15 minutes and you got to push forward because the person has to walk from point A to point B. And you can walk around and, and look around, but if you're going to do a speed run, if you want to just get into the meat of the game and start mm-hmm. really playing it, the, the soonest you can do it from point A to point B is 15 minutes before the game really you know, gets into yeah, it. Yeah, like the, the con- home console games now are like cinematic experiences, like the oh, real yeah. AAA games. Like uh, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, the new Zelda game that came out for the Switch, is a beautiful game. Probably the best Zelda game ever made. I played it for you know dozens of hours. I've stopped playing it <laughs> because it's so engrossing and it takes up so much time and you... You know, you you could literally spend hundreds of hours playing the game and not beat the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could beat the game in like you know twenty hours or something like that if you just didn't do all the side quests. But like games like you know Grand Theft Auto and all of those types of games in Legend of Zelda, yeah, they're time vampires. I mean, these are special time vampires, the arcades. You know, like if you want them to be a time vampire, you can. can yeah, they can be. But you can, like, I can quit whenever I want to, man. <laughs> <laughs> but if you want to just come down, like you're saying, and blow off five or ten minutes, you yeah. can. 
that's the nice thing. I mean, I mean to your point, even even the sports games, and I'm a, I was a you know home game sports games guys. The sports games today, you know, it has all the bells and whistles that we wish we had back in the day. Is that hey, I wish I could draft my own team. I wish I could put it in the league. I wish I could run the playoffs and do the championship and do the quest. But now, I mean, these games are so immersive. They're so realistic from from the weather to the injuries to the play calling. I mean, it's like you're committing yourself to a three hour football game. I yeah. mean, truly, and, and so it's and, it's hard and it's super competitive too. Oh, yeah. Like if you were to play online against people, again, something we wish we had when we were growing up. Absolutely. Careful what you wish for, because now it's become like an industry. Esports is a is becoming a bigger and bigger industry, and it's like being taken more and more seriously and more and more competitive. And it's it's good in the sense of the yeah, video games that we have now they're like legitimate. But I think that now that we're past that mark, it's like okay, well now. Games can be, you know, something that can become a person's entire life, like entire life, like literally, like that's just how they make their money in in, in playing esports, and it becomes, you know, some of these games are too daunting to take on and 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 play, you know, like you don't want to, you're almost intimidated to play against some of these guys Mm -hmm. online because, you know, do I really want to get shellacked by a 15 year old? Well, (laughs) but on the other hand, you can have this with this because we we've all seen King of Kong, sure, yes, and I don't know if that is. The saddest documentary no, I, I've not. ever seen. I, I've rewatched it. It's not sad. It's not. There was that one moment where the de- oh, well, Steve Weeby was the challenger to Billy Mitchell. Billy, Mi- all right. Here's the plot of King of Kong. In <laughs> case you haven't seen it, um, it's a documentary about a, a man who is a Donkey Kong enthusiast, and he gets his own Donkey Kong Junior cabinet that he actually has Donkey Kong in it with a Donkey Kong board. So he decides that he's gonna, you know, he really enjoys Donkey Kong, and he thinks he could do better than the official score set back in 1982 by a guy named Billy Mitchell. And it was like, I forget what the score was, it was like it was like 500-something thousand points originally. And then, so this guy, Steve Wiebe, decides he's going to beat that. I think he pushes it to like 800,000, and almost, a, I think he gets to like a million at some point. But the, the sad part that I'm talking about in the movie is that in order to properly document his gameplay, he has to videotape himself playing the game uh, nonstop. And at one point, you hear on the videotape his kid coming down to his garage. I don't believe this is happening, guys. Wipe your bottom? I will in a second, bud. What? Okay, bring me some toilet paper, buddy. Derek, I got, I'm going to get the world record, Derek. Derek, I'm going to get the world don't record. Play, don't play. Derek. You stop it! And then you see his like wife, and it's like, and it's like so he wants to be happy when he's getting the score, but at the same time, I mean, he's coming home from work and he's going to the garage. Yeah. And and the thing is, it's like, you know, uh, okay, let, let let's extrapolate that out. When you see an Olympic pole vaulter who has spent every waking minutes trying, you know, training eight hours a day through high school and college for their one shot at this Moment. and one one bat vault, and there's eight ten years of everything down the drain. So, I mean, I guess it's the same. I mean, well, I think it's a sort of a cultural thing where, you know, the, the public views physical uh, excellence and, and, and achievements in, in, in physical sports and excellence in physical sports above something nerdy like a, a video game. And, and then there is a, a unique skill set to have to pl- master video games, especially like these old retro True. 80s 
arcade games. So, you know, there's probably that, that's probably where the sadness comes in, is that you're, you're looking at it going, you know, he should be spending his time, you know... Um, being a dad. Being a dad, playing Resident Evil 7. <laughs> I played Resident Evil with my... Have you ever, like, has, like, the wife ever gone away for the weekend, and, like, you've come down, oh, I got a little extra time, and not so much looked up at the clock, but looked up as the sun coming up, and you're like, wait a minute, is it uh, morning? a few of those days, yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's funny, you come down, and uh, I'll, I'll come down here, and you know, a lot of times I like to turn the lights off because I like to have the games and the marquees and the lights that feels more like an arcade, and I'll start playing. But a lot of times, again, the free time you get is after everybody's gone to bed, and so you know, a couple even on weekends, much less if they're away, uh, I'll find that I'll come down here and say, "Hey, ten, eleven o'clock at night," and I'll start playing a couple of games. Then I'll start, you know, maybe I'll pull one out, tinker with one, play another game, and I'll say, you know, I probably should hit them all. I probably should play them all. And I, and I, I'll look, and it's three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, and yeah. then I, you start to see that. You know, daybreak. The, the and you're dawn, like, yeah. what the hell? I gotta get up in three hours, right? Or the kids are gonna be on me in three hours. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, obviously, I'm not gonna be, you know, at my best. But, um, but yeah, it does have a way of sneaking up on you. What is the best year of when when the games was 81? The quintessential year. 82. I'd say 82. 81, 82. Yeah, yeah, 82 probably. Atari and Nintendo both came out. They were both going strong then. Yeah. Both introducing a lot of games. Um, it was pre-crash too. Yeah, the crash hadn't hit yet. Um, the bubble hadn't burst, if you will, uh, which really was '84, '85. Though we still think of '84 as being a great year for gaming. I guess there's maybe two crashes because yeah. the great video game crash of 1983 had to do more about the home consoles with Correct. Atari and the glut of all the, the shovelware that was available, uh, and then just so many consoles out there, and it was just flooding the market with terrible games, and um, consumers didn't know. You know, they kind of just threw their hands up in the air and said, "You know what? This is enough of the game." Games, you know, uh, and then that, so that market took a nosedive. So arcades, I don't know how, you know, how arcades, how that translated to arcades. Like if they, you know, if there was a, like a delay in that, or if there was a, or if that was correlated with the home console video game yeah. crash. Well, Atari is funny. Atari was probably one of the early trendsetters of arcade games, but also the home gaming console. When the home gaming console hit, it hit it hit that side of the business as well. So arcades that came up from Atari were also limited. Uh, after that point in time, a uh, bunch of the other um, Nintendo kind of um, again started in the arcade, but it hadn't had its home run yet with the Nintendo Entertainment System quite yet. That was more towards the later '80s. Yeah. Uh, so there was a little bit of a lull there for Nintendo and some of the other bigger games that were also into pinball, like Midway and Williams, etc. Um, had financial difficulties at various point in time, which affected the quality and the type of the gameplay that came out as well. And, and again, like anything, like any other bubble that you have in the financial markets or the collecting markets, like baseball cards or, or coins, you know, there was just so many, too many games, right, out, and it was like, wait a minute, you know, hold on, I go to an arcade, and where are my favorites? They're not here anymore. The new ones are here, and, and the new ones were crap, right? Yeah. They, weren't, they weren't good. Yeah, I'd say the, the, the pinnacle or the peak, if you say, to go into an arcade and play, a dedicated arcade, not your local restaurant or bar, was probably 82, 83. Uh, that was when the, the most people, I think, have the most fondest memories. And when, and when you're talking like the retro game market, are those the games that are most sought after? Absolutely. They're the hardest. You know, there, there's some, obviously, that were made more than others. So, uh, you know, to find a Ms. Pac-Man or a Pac-Man or a Galaga, pretty easy to do. Uh, having said that, you know, if you find, find one in good shape, that price is pretty solid. Right. I mean, now the obscure games are harder to find games because it's just supply and demand. If it had a cult following and it, or if it was a really good game, you know, could drive up the price a lot higher. Uh, 
case in point, Hubert is one that everybody knows. We talked about it earlier with an arcade and on a cartoon. Uh, fun little furry character trying to escape from a snake, right? In case in point, I saw one go up on Craigslist about a year ago. It was posted within, I responded uh, at face value. The guy wanted $800 for it. I said, I'll, I can be there within the hour. Here's 800 bucks done. Uh, I, I, I responded to it about 15 minutes after he posted. He said, sorry, you're the fifth person. Wow. It's already an above market. Um, sorry, it's already sold. Yeah. Wow. So the market for that is just hot. Yeah. Now, Joe, you went, what is the arcade convention that you went to, like the Comic-Con for arcade things down in Rec- Connecticut? Yeah, recently. So I am a fan of the retro gaming as far as like Nintendo and that but there's also uh, this, the same market and fan base kind of overlaps with the arcade enthusiasts recently in the past couple of years they've done the Retro World Expo mm. which is down in uh, it was down in Wallingford Connecticut at like the Toyota Center or whatever but this year it's actually going to be in Hartford at like the Har- Hartford uh, convention center so it's it's actually getting an upgrade and it's going to be two days uh and it's going to have more arcades and it, that happens in october uh they have these little retro fests like these little retro conventions pop up around the country you know all, all year round i mean well i shouldn't say all year but like especially during the summertime mm-hmm. you know like there was recently one called too many games and somewhere in pennsylvania and uh they uh yeah, it's it's just community that's more, I guess, geared towards the home console market, like you know, you would buy Nintendo games or Genesis games or you know that type of stuff. But they also have arcades there as well, and some of them are for auction. Um, but a lot of them are just like you know free play, you know, just for it's to draw the people in and to and you know um, give people a good time while they're there spending their money on you know hundred dollar <laughs> video games that. Uh, probably aren't worth that much. A couple of years ago, when Tron came out, the 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 sequel to Tron, um, at Disney uh, in L.A. where we were, or Anaheim, sorry, they built they they had like a, a multi-function like a, a room that they turn into different things depending on what movie they're promoting. What is the name of the arcade from Tron? I'm blanking on it. But but it was the exact replica of it. Wow. You moved in. It was all free play games, but it was like walking into an arcade mm-hmm. in 84. You know, it was fan Fantastic! Like, and the music was, of oh, course, yeah. you know, nothing. When nothing was played, like after, like when the movie originally came out, type right. thing. It was a lot of fun. Did you see the Tron movies? Were you a fan? I, I saw the original, but not the follow-ups. It was really interesting. I, I thought it was interesting because I like Tron yeah. the original. Basically, it's yeah. he finds his dad in the world. Okay, you know, he goes back, yeah. and it, it's definitely, definitely. What about Pixel? Did you see Pixel? I did not see Pixel. Me neither. You didn't either, which no. really surprises me. I, I, I saw bad things about it review-wise. Like it was just sort of like a cheap kind of nostalgic kind of cash-in, which. By the way, saying it like it's a bad thing. I, I, yeah, I'm not above that, but I don't know. I just it, it, there's something about it. Like I don't know. Maybe I'll I'll see it someday and get into it. But yeah, I wasn't you know clamoring. For it. Do you know the premise of no, it? No, I don't. So a uh, it was an alien invasion. Okay. And the this this race this alien race came down in the form of 1980 early 80 video games because there was some rocket there was like a time capsule rocket type thing that they shot out and and some alien race sees it and basically thinks that this is warfare warfare and how our world works and stuff like that and it's funny uh kevin james is like the president okay and well uh, peter peter dinklage from game of thrones he he's playing basically a Billy Mitchell character. Yes, from it, it, King of Kong. It's, it's okay. completely 
derived from that. And Adam, Actually, now that you're talking about it, I think I remember hearing about that. Adam case. Sandler's character, he's uh, like a, a tech, like in, installs um, home a, entertainment a geek system. Squad guy. Yeah, he's a geek squad mm-hmm. guy. He is. Kevin James's best friend, so he's like you know this geek squad eking out a living. Whose best friend is the president, right. and he ends up becoming having to teach the military <laughs> how to play and combat it, th- these aliens in their form. There's yeah. one funny thing because they're playing like it's a real thing. People are you know mm-hmm. are dying, and it's like so. Galaga, Bring the family. Galaga <laughs> is happening, right. and and he, they have these special pixel guns to kind of shoot these things, and then it becomes a problem because he's trying to train them, and he realizes the pattern isn't from the original like eighty one release of Galaga. It's from like the eighty three re release of oh, Galaga. Wow. Right. That's right, because oh, it was Galaga eighty one and Galaga eighty three. Yeah, right? So yep. so I mean, and that's one of those things where I'm disappointed in Joe. For a lot of reasons. Right. Mostly because I know him. But I'm like, oh my God, who would know that? Who would be that much into the minutiae that they would get that reference? And it's not just some writer throwing it out there, that it actually has a historical... You know, the way you make it sound, I probably should see pixels. It was. Well, and then the funny thing, Diggles, you know, his character, he was such an... an awful asshole who was older than Adam Sandler as a kid and Adam Sandler came in like second mm. you know second place which is first loser thank you, thank you. and so we uh we see that they have to recruit both of them, and then the guy who actually invented Pac-Man <laughs> comes comes to try to talk sense into this pixel Pac-Man that's the size of a you know a small building. building. Like, he's trying to appeal it to its base emotions, and then yeah, and then chaos ensues. But yeah, it's a, and it did look like a fun movie. It was super well produced. It, yeah. Oh, and it, it's a big, big budget thing. If it's on Netflix, great. If it's in the red box, definitely right. get. It. I mean, it's definitely worth it if you're a geek into this era because it, yeah. like I said, it had the intricacies of oh, this is why we're not winning. It's the '83 gallery. <laughs> Like, <laughs> this is this is the thing. So it was a lot. That it, that was a lot of fun. What about uh? So Wreck It Ralph. Where do we stand on Wreck It Ralph? A lot like Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, no, yeah. it's great. And yeah, they're, they're, make, they're making a sequel. Is it? Yep. And again, I, I got spoiled because you know we've lived in L.A. for so long. When they do a big movie like that to come through Disney, love or hate Disney, lots of things to like you know not like about it, but lots of things. They the Carnival Personnel Podcast is uh, owned and operated by Disney Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> no, just the Frozen Head of Walt. <laughs> We're subsidiary, <laughs> but but uh, but they again they set up an arcade mm-hmm. when the Record Ralph thing came out, and they had. The record Ralph, you game. know, game yeah. that you could actually the, the the big standing like you know one of these and the characters and stuff like that. So that was so it was fun when Tron came out. It was fun when Record Ralph came out. Um, as a kid, am I the only one who wished so badly that Starfighter was a real thing, fighter, like yeah. the last Starfighter that I was going to be so good at Galaga that an <laughs> alien race was going to need my skills to save the universe? Right. They did. They made a South Park episode about that. Uh, you should check it out. Was that were you, were you a friend I, of that I, movie? I, I, I did like the movie. It was a good movie, classic eighties movie. And I'm trying to think what else. What you know? Am I am I blanking on any other video game heavy movies? 
Cool. Oh, gee. I mean, there was. I mean, they had. A, I'm sure there were a couple of stinkers that try to cash in on the craze that are yeah. kind of forgettable. Yeah, like nothing jumps to mind, honestly. Oh, the Wizard, but that's more Nintendo. That was a commercial for Nintendo. But as far as like 80s arcade movies go, uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of anything else. Well, although I will mention that one of the best Futurama episodes uh, incorporated uh, the same kind of pixels storyline where they had space aliens come down and it was space invaders and nobody knew how to defeat these things except for Fry. So he's just like, all right, it's Saturday night. I have no date, a two liter bottle of Shasta and my all rush mixtape. Let's rock. <laughs> yeah, so they, and they put a like, controller in his hand that, like, you know, combats the aliens, and all you hear is Tom Sawyer playing in the background. So uh, that was memorable to me, but that was like late 90s. Now, have we exceeded the number of Rush references we can make per, per podcast? No. That's two. No. <laughs> and just keep it going. No. Uh, Let's see how many we can break. So, so, Robert, you do have all the, the PS. You don't have a PS4. I don't have a PS4. I do have a PS3. PS3. So you got a whole weekend to yourself. Yeah. Is, is does the PS3 get plugged in at all? The or PS3 this... does get plugged in a little bit, only because you know I, I do have a couple of the Mortal Kombat games, and I'm, I'm into that little that genre, if you will. With um, you know, you mentioned the death scenes earlier from uh, Dragon's Lair. Oh right, I think that's where they got the start. But now they have the fatalities in Mortal Kombat. But also, when I was in college, uh, my love of gaming took me to one of the first games that there was in the college arcade. It was a very small college arcade or near the break room. Was um, MK2. Yeah. So I got into MK2, and then you know. Unfortunately, I haven't had to be able to get a full size MK or two or three, though I've looked. But then, um, for PS3, they have you know Marvel versus MK. They've got all these right. kind of cool the, combinations. The, the, the new one. So I've got those, and that's what I. The Injustice games, yeah. which are fantastic games. I'm a big DC guy, yeah. DC comic guy. They wrote a fantastic story around it, right. but it's Mortal Kombat. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's Mortal Kombat meets Marvel. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of Mortal Kombat, uh, for the newer generations, I mean the latest iteration of Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat XL, mm. hilarious fatalities, hilarious fatalities, like over the top, like like. Bone, Finish him. Bone crunching. Yeah. Like there's one scene where like a character pulls out a car another character's head by its spine <laughs> and then takes a selfie with it. Like, oh really? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's that level of ludicrousness that uh, that that's what makes you w- want to keep buying. That's what's funny because it's like older conventions, but it's just updated technology. You know, it's just right. the same gameplay, sure. but it's but it's just you know taken to like the next level for with the new consoles. Do you collect any other consoles besides? I mean, you have like we said the PS3, but any yeah, other no, retro I, consoles? I've got the. Uh, I still have my original Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Um, like the one that you bought. The one that I bought when I was a kid. And wow, it still and works never great. got and rid actually, of it. Most of the games I have actually. I I had about 50 games, which is a lot back then. Most of them still work pretty well. Now, is it the Sears one or the original? It's the Atari? original one. Uh, the, 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 the VCS yeah. with, yeah. The, with the wood grain. With the wood grain. I have one of those, too. I bought. Yeah. I found that in box at a, uh, like a Goodwill like five, five nice. or six years ago. Yeah. So, And I have a, a little bit of a, an Atari 2600. I'm not going to brag. Go ahead. Go ahead and brag. <laughs> so, so but, but you're not a purist who, like, 
emulators are bad. No, not you're, at all. You're cheating the man if you don't have the whole thing. No, oh. not at all. And in fact, you know, again, I think that's one of the appeal of the classic arcade too. You'll see you're seeing a lot of people move to like a 60 in one board, or they even have some that are 412 in one board. And again, it all depends. I think the nice thing about the emulators is you can you can build a control panel that has a trackball that has multiple fire buttons. You can kind of customize it any way you want. Multiple players, uh, whatever you want to do. Um, there's actually technology called JAMA, which is not new by any sense, but allows you to just plug right in if you're JAMA compatible, which I forget the name. It's Japanese uh, animation. Yeah, I forget what it stands for. Is um, it J-A-M-M-A? J-A-M-M-A. Uh, but, you know, I've you know, because again, you can get access to so many more games when you're space constrained and, and budget constrained, which I think we all are to some degree. Right. But, you know, certain games uh, lend themselves to it. The Nintendo cabinets don't, but certain cameras like the Galaga certainly do. And so I could put a, a 60 in one in there and probably get, you know, like ni- Battle of Midway, 1943, the Donkey Kong games, a whole bunch that would be, you know, translate really well to it. Some obscure games too. But, right. But probably get 10 to 12 classic games on there that you'd play a lot. Yeah. Uh, and so, did, did you say earlier, Robert, that you wanted to have an 80s party theme night and have every listener uh, just I, I would love that. Okay. Both of you are invited. <laughs> Come on over. But th- but that's great. Uh, I, you, got, you got any final thoughts, Dan? Well, I do want to... I don't know if this we can pull this off, and I'll probably edit this out if it doesn't work, but I would like to maybe tape you and Robert um, having a Galagoff. Oh, that would take... That could be a while. I don't know how much time you got. <laughs> that could be. That could I want to see you play Galaga. God damn it. And do we do we have Robert, you got any closing thoughts or any any words to you know, aspiring arcade enthusiasts? Okay, just keep playing, keep your eyes open. There's always bargains out there and uh, for every budget, every person no matter what game you like, it's out there on Craigslist is a great resource. The internet opens it all up. There's auctions all the time. So if you want to get into the hobby, it's easy to do. One closing thought I guess I have is these arcades now are starting. I mean, they've already been dying, but there have been the stalwarts that kind of hung around and, and hung through the ups and downs of the video game industry and the arcade industry. But um, they're they're starting to close down too because you just mentioned that there's a uh, a local arcade that's been up forever that had just shut down in April. Yeah, that's true. There was one up in Palm, New Hampshire, called the Pinball Wizard Arcade. Definitely uh, tilted a little more towards the pinball, but definitely had at least probably two to three hundred arcade games as well. And you know they. They were trying to make it work. Uh, it was a labor of love for the owner. Um, they hosted kid party. They dedicated separate rooms, etc. A little tough location, but, but relatively close to uh, southern New Hampshire, northern Mass. Uh, but yeah, they just shut down. They auctioned. They, they, they sold off a lot of the games. Um, you know, so the games got dispersed, which is a good thing in some ways into collectors' hands, I think, and people that care and want these games. At the same time, that experience of going there with a $5 bill in your pocket like you did, Jacques, or, or $10 and, and playing for two or three hours is gone, right? right. And that was one of the largest arcades um you know actually in the east coast so you know there's still a few out there in major markets las vegas chicago the fun spot we talked about up in new hampshire and now the the barcade is starting to come popular people our generation where you're starting to see those that came out of brooklyn new york the barcade the the brand but you're starting to see other places uh, like bit bar in salem mass that have you know maybe 20 to 30 arcades a bar in the middle, and you know, get really catering to people in that thirty to forty year old, fifty year old range. That hey, might have you know, hey, let me you know, break away and play a game, and then have a couple more beers. Yeah, I mean, there really aren't a lot of spots to go to aside from like a Dave and Buster's, like we talked yeah. about. But Dave and Buster's is more of like redemption based games, and it's yeah. newer stuff. But as far as retro gaming goes, it's yeah, it's harder to come by. Luckily, you can emulate this stuff yep. not on just emulators for your computer that you download free, but you can you know legitimately buy uh, for like you know Xbox One or PS4 or um, even on Steam. You know, you mm-hmm. can buy 
legitimate where like the the publishers get money for like some of the I, I, that was the big thing about emulating um, is that oh you're, you're taking money out of the the star the hands of starving developers and you know <laughs> so if you feel guilty about that you can still download and and buy all these games legitimately over your favorite console of choice but there's n- nothing beats standing in front of a Popeye machine <laughs> with the other sounds going on around it yeah. I, mean, I mean literally it is an immersive experience it's an immersive experience and there's something to be said about man versus machine right when the thing right. is as big as you are yeah. you're staring it in the face it's just you know the side art the colors the the immersive experience yeah, and that sideways screen. That's <laughs> yeah. just like that. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I think I'm going to stay the night, Robert. Absolutely sorry, no, sorry, man. You have a new uh, child. And it's not a problem. Are you a problem? So, um, in closing, since we're on a video game sideshow here, uh, my son, who's 17, um, is a little bit of a, a musical genius, if I do say so myself. Um, he's also produced uh, a lot of electronic music, and including uh, the soundtrack for an independent game that you can download on Steam. I think it's an open beta right now. It's called Blanco, B-L-A-N-C-O. He wrote the soundtrack for it. I won't tell you the staggering amount of money he got paid to do it, but um, if you want to hear, brag. no, right? I'm gonna I'll play a little track at the end of this uh, special so that you can see it, and I'll put a link inside the description uh, as well. But uh, yes, my son Connor, he's a, he's a name to look out for in the future of uh, video game uh, music composing he's the real deal and check him out it's a and check out the game you know they, if they make some money on this game who knows maybe my, my son will get what's paid. his youtube page game boy advantage he 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 rewrites uh recomposes and composes is it is it 16 bit uh mostly 8 bit yeah mostly 8 bit uh chiptune kind of music but uh he he, he writes original stuff and he mm-hmm. remixes old stuff and yeah check it out if it's you a like lot of fun if you like electronic music and you're a nerd and you maybe <laughs> like me uh check no out it's like you not nah, god damn you <laughs> check him out game boy advantage on youtube robert thank you again everybody else remember no, I'm, I'm not waiting the time. No, what? Because no, I want to. Okay. You didn't give. First oh, of all, yeah, you got to give yeah. Robert a chance to say thank you. Yes. Thank you. And, and 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 to management who let you have your buddies over to Absolutely. talk games because we did. We took up the entire afternoon. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I'm I'm gonna make this gala golf happen. You don't right. you worry, internet. Buffalo's pride is on the line. <laughs> Buffalo just put your quarter on the pants. White right. Yeah. <laughs> Buffalo lost all pride. On quarter up, right. baby. You're gonna be on there for quite some time. So again. Um, this is the most important thing I have to reiterate. Do not forget. Been playing this game since 1982. Took hundreds of thousands of dollars in quarters for me to do. I got the highest score in Galaga. I got the highest scoring Gallagher I got the highest scoring Gallagher This might be the greatest moment in